Hello and welcome everyone to Gunpowder Treason No Plot. I am your DM and host, as always, Adam Cookson, and I am joined by my three regular co-hosts, Matt Dennis, Flo Dennis, and James Bunkle. Hello! 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 Don't you normally add a little bit about reprising roles here? Mm, normally. Conspicuous well, absence, yeah. <laughs> well, last week things happened. I'm glad you all decided to return. Yeah, I wasn't I mean, sure. Yeah. <laughs> a little on the fence? Yeah, I'm coming back for the fallout, and then I can always rage quit. It's fine. Uh... <laughs> I'll go back to a previous save, right? That's what we do. Yeah, that's totally what we do. Yeah, quick load, right? Yeah. yeah um, oh, man, we, we haven't saved since, like, Act 1, so it's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so uh, Tommy, Sophia, Rogar, you're storming the palace. Make sure that you're aware that the Illuminated have the crystals all over the city. Samuel Crenn is in the throne room. Uh, let's kick this off. Awesome. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, so we're going to uh, fucking boat him. Let's do it. <laughs> How much water uh, did that require again? <laughs> uh, yeah. The old, Not much. The old too much water. Gamut. Nice. <laughs> Oh, so so where do we start with this? What 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 do we open this episode with? If you if you listen to last week's episode, you know things went a little bit sideways. Just 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 a tad. I mean, I mean, re- really, all all that happened was you know we uh, we shot I shot something, and I do that every week. So really, not not that different to every week. You know, a little um, little, little explosion. It's a little one. I mean. I don't think we defined the size of the explosion last week. Well, you know, I feel like people who stand next to nuclear explosions probably don't see the top of the mushroom. Uh, no one said nuclear. Yeah, we, we <laughs> dimension doored out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Ah, did you? Did you? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. We forgot uh, to mention it, but yeah, totally. Yeah, we, that's what we did. Ah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Did, did no one tell you that? Okay, let's. you can stop now and we can record this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We should start over? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Start fresh? Yeah? <laughs> hmm. Nah, I don't think we're going to do that. Okay. We're not saves coming, this one. This is the the TPK that's been coming for some time. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> you know what? So we, we take like two weeks, I think, since our last session. And obviously yeah. I've thought about this a lot as your DM. And I know you've all thought about it as well, like from your own character perspectives, your own sort of story perspectives. And obviously I sent you all some questions individually about things. And I think one thing on this show, on the game I, that I'd like to run for you all is don't think we shy away from, you know, characters may die, right? Like, I think you always go into a combat thinking, if I fuck up, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe the there's... characters live, right? The shit characters that Bunkle draws up dies. <laughs> that's what Uncle has been uh, more unfortunate on this particular campaign than most i will admit not entirely his fault but not sometimes his fault entirely <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah like i like to think we play it pretty like down the line here right that if you guys are going to fight something tough i'm not going to pull my punches we might fuck up some rules <laughs> that's going to happen a yeah, lot yeah, often yeah yeah Normally, different rules every time, so that's fun. Yeah. Uh, but if someone dies, we don't just say, nah, you're fine. 
Unless there's like a legitimate reason. And I do like to stress legitimate reasons because I think, you know, it's a fantasy world and it's high fantasy. There's ways to avoid death. There's, you know, cosmic entities. There's deals to be done with devils and demons. There's, you know, death is just another plane of existence, right? Like you all have effectively souls in this world and they go places when you die, when your meat suit gets shot up or torn to pieces. Things can happen. But I always like to make sure things like that are explainable, that they have some logic to it, that it's not just, you know, a complete ass pull. Like, I don't like the situation where I kill one of you and then you stand straight back off and that's it, because that's just stupid. There has to be something. I think something yeah. we talk about a lot is, like, prices to be paid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there's a, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think, think what you were referring to all the other stuff, I think Bonkle put it best, best, I can't remember if he said it on pod last week, but it, it certainly resonated with me when we were discussing things. He referred to it as alien space magic, and I really like that analogy <laughs> or, um, for Lovecraftian mythos. Yeah, alien space magic. <laughs> yep. It's pretty, pretty bang on. <laughs> but let, let's, let's recap a little bit, though, because if you didn't listen to last episode and you were wondering what the f these people are on about, I would suggest going back to listen to last week's episode because it's kind of important. Like, stop here, go load the previous one, listen to it, then come back. Okay, thanks. Bye. For those of you who did listen to last week's episode, the party got stuck in a bit of a difficult situation. So you were on the hunt for Kalan, Kalan, I kept changing his pronunciation, but the steward of Castle Nostra, basically the magic man in charge of the downstairs. He was the one kind of running this whole necromatic ritual he was keeping the undead forges going you know making sure things were ticking over correctly down here and that the vampiric overlords on top had someone down here they could trust to just get on with shit and you found out about him initially through Mendorax. he kind of mentioned him and then he attacked you with a giant snake and then caught you all up in some cobwebs you found out that the cobwebs kind of covered a lot of the map now that you were retracing your steps through because, well, he knew where you were. His bodyguard, a creature known as a bone claw, had actually found you the night before. And, well, he was preparing because he doesn't like having his rituals interrupted, which you had already started to do. You took out two of the Fext that were sent here by the Illuminated to kind of kick this whole undead army into high gear. And... He kind of lured you into the web like the spider to the fly, I feel. You guys went after him, but he knew you were coming from a few different angles. And on route to try find him, what you actually found, interestingly enough, was the main power source to this whole magical setup they've got running down here. This giant floating, basically a big gemstone floating in midair like this orangey-yellow swirling gemstone that was just crackling with energy. And from talking to Menderax, you realize that, well, this is what's powering Menderax's cell. It's what's causing Menderax to be kind of siphoned off like a battery. And it's what's kind of channeling that power back into the ritual that you guys interrupted. So you wanted to take it out. Understandable. This thing is clearly important and getting rid of it is key. Kind of unfortunately, Brittany didn't really get a good understanding of it in the time she had. She tried to do a few quick rolls, but it didn't go very well. And unfortunately, while you were doing that, Kalan, he snuck up on you, him and his bodyguard, and a fight ensued. Quite a difficult fight that had quite a few backs and forths, I'd say. I mean, I definitely was not expecting Sophia to turn undead on the bone claw. Didn't even think <laughs> that thing was capable of having that happen to it. <laughs> uh, it's a, it was an amazing roll. 
It Gotta was very well done, very well played to get him out of the fight because he was gone, like done. Like, sure, he's not dead, but he wasn't going to be a problem anymore. But that just left the, the, the wizard in question. And he was maybe a little bit tougher than you were expecting. He was not a pushover and had quite a few tricks up his sleeve to keep you off balance. Some impressive counterspelling from Brittany actually managed to save you in the fight quite early on when he tried to dominate monster on Brittany to kill Sophia, which would have been amazing. But <laughs> a counterspell there really uh, stuffed up his plan. But then you kind of saw one of his nastier tricks, which was shape-shifting into a giant poisonous spider and swapping back and forth from that form. He actually managed to do some crippling wounds on both Sophia and Tommy. In fact, Tommy, you went down from his poisonous touch. I did, I did. Nasty ability. <laughs> Which, which kind of set thoughts in motion as we progressed, really. Yeah, because at that point in the fight, you guys had kind of backed into the power room, which is quite a small room with this big gemstone in it. And you were, I think, at that stage of the fight, trying to figure out what you could do to get out of here. Like, this was not going well. You sort of closed the door behind you and to buy yourself maybe a short respite. And... That's kind of where the plan came together that, well, you're all hurt. You've got their power source here. Maybe you can take it out. And I think Sophia opened, I want to say, with a guiding bolt, did some damage to it, destabilized it. This thing was arcing wild with magic. Tommy took a shot, started to damage the structure of the crystal, but wasn't quite done yet. And then we kind of come to that final pull of the trigger, don't we? And I guess I'm going to wind the clock back just a little bit here. Back to those last few moments, because it was a big moment. And obviously for us, it came at the end of a reasonably long session. And I want to explore this in a little bit more detail. So let's pull it back and slow the clock down just a moment. Because we're going back to this small stone room with the chains across the walls connecting up to this floating gemstone. It's... The whole room right now is vibrating with this unstable arcane power. Flashes of energy are bouncing off the walls. This gem, which is bigger than most humans, is floating in the center of this chaos, seemingly generating all that power you see before you. And Tommy, you're standing in the doorway, gun drawn, considering your options. You've shot at this thing once, and right now you can hear the scratching of claws on the door behind you. You know that a trio of giant spiders are waiting there to tear you and your companions apart. This is it. We've only got one choice left to make, one moment to define your life. Tommy, you raise the gun, you take aim at the gem, ready to fire one more time, certain that this time, the magical device is gonna shatter and put an end to this Foul necromatic ritual, this forge of undeath secreted between beneath Castle Nostra. So what's going through your mind in this in this moment, in these final few seconds, just before you pull the trigger? Tommy's kind of tasting blood at this moment. He's battered, he's bruised, he's already gone down once. He's he's tasted death. Or there or thereabouts, lying on the ground, any moment feeling like he was gonna be consumed by some unholy abomination of a spider man masking or man masquerading as a spider at least he's he's thinking about 
Well, he nodded at the others. He glances back into their eyes and he sees that at least as far as he can tell, they're with him. This is the only play. He has to take that shot. He has to destroy this thing. He has no idea what it's going to do. He hopes whatever it does, it does some good for the cause. It will stop, well, at least delay the inevitable from happening. It'll, it'll delay the undead from, well, continuing at least in their current plans. He hopes maybe Menderax might get out. Maybe he can do some damage. He hopes that, that at least if this is gone, then perhaps when Maximilian launches his assault, there'll be a lot less facing him. And he hopes that he makes it out alive. He's been in worse situations, he thinks, although right now he's struggling to come up with any. That taste of blood again in his mouth kind of brings him back into focus. It's an easy shot. It's a large, glowing target about 30 feet away, 20 feet away even. Not an issue. He could do it with his eyes shut, he thinks. Maybe he might trick shot on the last shot perhaps of his life part of him thinks maybe he should have tried maybe should have fought to the last but this is as good a last stand as any i guess if this is it at least we go out with a bang he's gonna miss sophia surprisingly good friend from a very different walk of life in varadin very different life experiences as much as he was a city boy born and raised she was well, originally a a noble, very hated enemy of his class, and then afterwards a country girl, a hunter, complete worlds apart. But somehow they've made it through all of the things they've done, and huh, he had some good times with first with Rogar before he realised what he truly was, and then with Dick. He's lost some good friends along the way too, Handrel particularly. R four. It's been a tough road. He never really asked for this. This wasn't what he was set out for in his life. He was a cut purse, gutter thug, a gangster, a lowlife, a drunkard. He was not meant to try and save the world. This is all gone way beyond what he could have ever imagined of his life. For fuck's sake, maybe magic even is real. Who even knows anymore? finger switching on that trigger now it won't take much it's already taking up the tension that's that tight click as the hammer comes down the flint strikes the frizzen igniting the powder that powder burn sets off the charge and the round leaves the end of the gun aim true as always couldn't expect any less really bang that's it. Sophia, you stood next to Tommy. This is happening, and as, as I say, time here seems to slow for all of you. You see him just twitch that finger and pull the trigger. Can you tell me what are the last thoughts going through your mind? Do one of two things. We could fight and die pointlessly to a bunch of fucking spiders. Or we could take this down Something could happen, Menderax could become free, he might. We talked to him a lot at length about what we were doing and what we needed to do. Maybe there's hope there. I mean, there's been prophecies about us. This this can't be it. This It's just going to shatter. It's just going to shatter and then we'll all be fine. And everything, there'll be a massive light. I don't know. 
fizzle and it'll be fine. There's we've been through too much. I mean, I have no no idea where we are right now. We're, we could be anywhere right now. Varadin is such a dim and distant memory. Oh, my dad's coming. There are people counting on us. But this is what it is. I mean, Tommy's got to hit it. He's he's not going to miss. There's nothing more to do. Let's just let's just hope that Kellen Vore has a better plan for me. Okay. And I guess Brittany, you're stood right in front of the gem, right at the epicenter, and you hear the the click boom of the gunpowder going off in Tony's gun. What's going through your mind as you see the crystal sort of pulsing in front of you with this violent, unstable energy? What are your last thoughts? That fucking idiot. <laughs> hey, you agreed to this. <laughs> I, I think it was I, I think it was your idea. <laughs> One time you listened to me. <laughs> Literally, I swear we listen to Bunker's plans. One time, like every arc, and it's always when things go south. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Other than that, um, I'm not supposed to die, and I suppose like one, one know, knowing that pretty much. She kind of has no hope. Um, if this thing's going to explode, which I'm, she would assume that it is going to. I'm. My one role is to try. My one job was to try and protect Sophia. So I guess I would attempt to <laughs> do that. Or yeah. Whether I have, if I have time or not, I seriously doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think that. Makes sense. Brittany's final thoughts would still probably be on her mission. I can almost see, as we kind of go through this in slow motion, you know, the gun goes off, the bullet leaves the chamber. Brittany's eyes grow wide. She starts to try, you know, cast something, you know. She's desperate. She's powerful. She's going to try to do something with the energy around her. But it's, it's just too late. Clinging for something, trying to cast something in Sophia's direction. And you don't know whether anything ever went off, because the next thing you all feel and see is this blinding, searing flash of light. And I, can I just point out that we're not doing a promo for Oppenheimer here, and we weren't, <laughs> um, yeah, we weren't uh, contacted by them in any way, so uh, non-affiliated. Just uh, mm. happy coincidence. <laughs> yes, yeah, oddly well-timed. Yeah. I can't be accused of stealing because I haven't watched it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could probably fill you in, Crib Notes. I, I mean, yes, I mean, we, we did history. I mean, I know that, but but can't be accused of cribbing off the movie. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so let's start this way. Tommy, you're catapulted backwards, your body shattering against the stone door. And the last sensation you feel is that burning light washing over your broken form. The moment of pain seems to last forever. Until suddenly it fades away. So abruptly you wonder whether it was even there to begin with. But now all is black. All around you is an endless inky void. 
In many ways, you're not even sure what you are anymore. You feel a bit like you're floating in the ocean, and everything that had been plaguing your thoughts seems to be draining away. Memories of the life you lived fading, floating away into this darkness. For a brief moment, a sense of peace washes over you, a sense of finality. You feel calm, relaxed, fully willing to drift away into wherever this ocean is taking you. But as those memories fall away, for a few seconds, you relive each one of them. In one moment, you're running through the sewers of Varadin, being chased by the city guards. In another, you're sat at a tavern, drinking with Handrol. In another, you're battling undead in a mausoleum. You're meeting Sophia and Rogar. You're facing previously unknown horrors. You're celebrating your victories. As each memory surfaces, you feel some discomfort as they fall away. Some you even feel your mind attempting to cling on to. But holding these thoughts, it's like trying to grab the water itself. It just slips through your fingers and is lost all the same, with nothing more than a trace left upon you. This sensation worries you, but it feels natural, like this is what the end is supposed to feel like. More memories come and go, and in a way you're content to let them leave you. Painful memories, difficult thoughts, coming to peace with them no longer matters. It not mattering allows you to let the nicer thoughts even slip away. That but This is until your mind is brought back to a little workshop in Varadin. You're sat in the back room, side by side with Valman, as he helps you piece your gun, your very first gun, together. It's a gift he feels he owes you, a treasure worth more than you could ever realize in that moment, but one that would become painfully clear over time. Your mind jumps forward. The workshop is on fire, and Valman is nowhere to be seen. The barrels of black powder catch a light, and suddenly a devastating explosion tears the workshop apart. And as you're flung from the wreckage, you stand back up, only to find yourself stood upon the docking bridge of an airship boarding tower, bloody and beaten. You see the, a ship containing Valmin leave, as well as a second ship now helmed by his captor, Lorik. Lorik Valmin. As those memories start to fade away, Instead of a sense of peace, you feel nothing but anger. A dark, vengeful anger. A feeling so strong that it pulls you from your quiet reverie, from your passive acceptance of this fate. You grab those memories and you sear them into your mind, carving them into your very being. No one, nothing will take this from you. You don't care what gods, or fates, or anything else out there in the universe might say to you. You are not giving them up. Your failures need rectifying. Those who wronged you, those who stole from you, must be made to pay. As you focus on your rage, other memories begin to surface, other debts left unpaid. 
You see yourself running through a bizarre dreamscape as Sophia falls to the ground, body nothing more than a discarded heap on the floor. She lies dead before a towering, shadowy being that you recognize as Azrahim, a man turned god who takes his time breaking you down. The memory is painful and humiliating, but you refuse to let it go. You throw it into the pyre of your rage and you use it to bring yourself back to some cosmic sense of consciousness. And then finally, you circle all the way back around and you remember your death. Trapped in a room, choices and time running out. The mocking taunts of some vampire-loving wizard ringing through the corridor. And now the memory is the final fuel necessary to turn your anger into a raging inferno. As you focus on that rage, you feel something strange happening to you. Your sense of self suddenly becomes more physical than it had been up to this point. Your eyes open and you find yourself washed up on a beach made of ash and bone. Before you, stretching off into infinity, is this deep black ocean, the one you realize you must have been drifting through all this time. Standing at the shoreline, you're uncertain what to do. All you have now is the anger, the hate, and no outlet for it, no way to leave this place. What are you thinking, Tommy? I need to get out of here. I need to get back. I need to find Valmin. I need to find Sophia. I need to find the bastard who put me here. I need to find the bastard who took Valmin. I need to find the bastard who taunted us. Three bastards. Three kills. Three kills. I cannot rest until that's done. How do I get out? There must be a way out. And Tommy's looking around, kind of feeling even more of a sense of consciousness now, sort of, kind of, can he feel his extremities? Can he move his hands? What can he see? What can he touch, feel? You do feel real, I'll say that. Just a sense of almost emptiness, but you do feel like you exist, wherever this is. I guess I look around to see what, what there is is there anything anything i can use any way to find portal a hair and whatever this reality is a way of signaling some method to get back because i cannot rest until i've avenged myself and my friends can i look around can i do a perception check yeah, you can do a perception check for me. Okay. A 14. 14. You look around, and in one direction, you see the beach becomes just this endless desert scape of dunes. All seems to be this grey, like, ash. It's not sand. It's You try to touch it with your hands, and it crumbles into, like, just black soot on your fingers. You dig through it or around to see if you can find anything, and you find just chunks of bone of all manner of creatures. Some you imagine are human, or at least humanoid. Others you've never seen before. In the other direction is just this inky black ocean, just stretching on and on forever. 
can't go through the inky black ocean. Maybe I can make my way further into the shore. I'm going to see if I can find a sharp piece of bone, maybe something I can use as a weapon if I need to. Yeah, let's say that you pick up like a, almost like a shattered thigh bone that's like snapped at the middle that looks sharp. You can maybe jab at someone if you had to. And you turn away from the ocean, I take it? I start making my way inland. You walk inland. You walk and you trudge through the ash and the bone. And you feel like you've been walking for days. Days and days. You, you've lost any sense of time here. There's no day, there's no night. Just this black void above you. You don't seem to need to eat or stop or rest or drink. So all time just becomes meaningless. The sense of yourself is shattered at this point. Really, all that's keeping you conscious, keeping you with some manner of sanity is that that anger, that hate, that feeling that you're not done yet. And you walk and walk until eventually you rise over one of the dunes and you trip and fall down the other side. And when you push yourself up from the ash, you're staring back at the ocean again. And you have no idea how long you just stand there, staring into that abyss. But eventually, a voice responds to your pleas, both silent and angrily yelled. The way is shut, but through me. The doors of death may open. You look around for the source of the voice, yet see nothing in all directions. For a moment, you believe you have finally gone mad. Perhaps you've been here far longer than you even realized, lost and alone with nothing but the fires of your hate for company. But as you look around, suddenly you feel a weight in your hand. And it's not the bone you lost that when you fell now there's something else there you see the dagger of Baal pristine as it always is beautiful and deadly you gaze upon it confused by its presence I let out a mirthless laugh of course of course it is of course it fucking is alright then disembodied voice Open fucking sesame, then. As you yell that out, the black water before you churns and roils as a truly gargantuan human skull rises out of the water. I'm going to show you a picture. Ooh. Yep, that's a big old skull. Yeah, it is a big old skull. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear... That same voice that seems to travel from the grave itself go out all around you. Your work is unfinished. You still have lives left to take. Realize now that death has always been your calling. Listen to your blood and deny it no longer. At the end of all things, speak truth. You wish to kill a man turned god, 
like I who came before you. Three of you stand together, married by death and marked by its embrace. The same ground where I once stood. But I knew something you didn't. I knew what it took to oppose a god, to take their power. Perhaps now you have learned. If that is so, then stand before me. Use your hatred to forge my weapon anew. Consecrate it in blood. Feed it with death. But ask only that which you are able to give. A life for three. Reality enjoys its poetry, detestable as I find it. I do this not for you, not to honour you, but for my friends. This is for them. This is the task that I left unfinished. Claim the deaths as you will, but that is not the reason for them. The reason is for what they took from me, what they took from my friends, and for their lives. I shall consecrate your weapon. But you know, you know, that I am no follower. No follower, no worship, none is needed, not for you. You are of the blood, bound by it, molded by it. Keep your reasons, keep your hatred, your every step and action is an exaltation, and all paths lead to the same end. And Tommy, as it finishes, as this voice trails off, rising out of the ash, you see an altar forged of bone push its way up. Into the flat surface of the altar is carved the symbol of Baal, a skull surrounded by a ring of blood drops being upon the altar are tools. Though not the tools of ritualistic sacrifice that you may have expected, or tools of torture or some other thing, but you see the tools of a craftsman. Would the Velmen were here, but I know what to do with these. Okay. So you raise up the dagger of Baal, place it upon the altar. You grab a hammer, the kit, and as you hit the blade with a singular strike, it splits neatly yet bizarrely into two separate daggers. And as you go to work on the weapons, it seems like the metal responds to your inner thoughts, reshaping itself into the form you desire. Time 
goes by unnoticed yet again. You're not even sure if time's a thing in this place. You don't know where you are. You think you're dead. What is death if you're able to act and think? But eventually, you stop. And now down upon the altar, you no longer see the dagger of Baal, but two lintlock pistols, shimmering with heat as if freshly removed from a forge. As you grip each of them in hand, the pistols disappear, much like the dagger once did, stowed away in some other plane ready to be brought forth when called. It's then when you're hit with this overpowering urge, you look down at the pair of blacksmith's tongs resting on the altar. You grab them and place the rough metal into your mouth. You scream as you use the instrument to remove three teeth, placing them down upon the altar. As you do so, the strange compulsion ends and you're horrified at what came over you. As you stare at the teeth, you blink, and suddenly there now rests three bullets. You pick them up. I do. Okay. As you grab them and examine each of them, you see each one bears a name carved into the side. Kalan Lorik Azrahim. Finished with your work, you walk towards the skull, towards your fate. The mouth of the great skull opens and the water parts, and the voice returns. Three bullets, three lives, but time is short and death cannot be waylaid forever. I don't need time. I just need a good spot and decent windage. And as you step into the mouth, all goes dark. And we're going to leave Tommy there. Matt? <laughs> yep? Just, 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 what is Tommy again? Is he human or, or what, what is he? Currently, we don't know. No, 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 we do know. I think he said it. Can you remember what Tommy is? Uh, well, Tommy <laughs> was a human. <laughs> no, 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 no. But now yep. he's not. Now his parentage. We know this now. What what is he exactly, Matt? Oh, his dad was on an island somewhere, I think. Oh, you're yeah. such a cunt. <laughs> such a cunt. Am I the cunt really? Or are you the cunt? Let's we're be honest. Not. We're all let's, both cunts, alright. Right, well let's see what you're the bigger cunt. Well let's see what happens to you then, dead girl. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a ball spawn. Yeah, well. <laughs> no, you're just from a clan of vampires. Yeah, we don't talk about my lineage. <laughs> weird, weird, because you really, really like talking about mine. Yeah, yeah. That's because I accept mine. You don't accept yours. I hadn't, I hadn't had con concrete proof except for the dagger up until now. And and for all I knew, that was Lorik fucking with me because uh. Lorik does like to fuck with me. Yes, that's true, Barsborn. Yeah, well, I don't if don't even know if I am a Barsborn anymore. Oh my what god! I am. No, no, I, I, I don't know genuinely what I'm going to come out as. Is what uh, I mean. Uh, well, no, but Tommy was. What was to Tommy? To Tommy was a lot yeah, of things. Undead Barsborn. A lover. He was a fighter. He was a, <laughs> a Barsborn. <laughs> he was a space cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> he was the doctor of love. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Not once did you get laid in this campaign, all right? Hey, I got pretty fucking close with the Dragonborn. <laughs> I had a girlfriend who can't remember 
So I may have roofied her for the past however. <laughs> yeah, re- really, really, your love life's going so much better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was fun. Hope you enjoyed that a little bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, tell me too angry to die. Man too angry to die makes it everyone else's problem. Yep. That's the headline. Yeah. Okay. Now we're going to rewind back a little bit again and let's go to Brittany. So Brittany, you describe your final moments of thinking of Sophia and trying to figure out something you could do. And Brittany, you are... Well, you do study Dunamancy. You are a wizard who focuses on time. And I guess for you, trying to channel what power you had left, time really does slow. You're speaking to anyone who could hear you in this moment, and no one can because of the sheer volume of the gem in the room. You're speaking rapidly, trying to cast something, some spell that might save Sophia at the very least. Maybe if you did that, perhaps perhaps Maximilian would look kindly on you and get you resurrected somehow, if they could find a body. You don't know, but honestly, you're not thinking that rationally right now. Because you hear the bullet go past your head, you hear the gem shatter, and even though it's slow, you can already see the wave of concussive magical force, this burning wall of death heading towards you. You can feel it burning away your robes, your skin, It's slowly consuming you as you cast, as you just grab onto anything you can and throw it in Sophia's direction. You don't live long enough to know what may have happened as the light consumes you entirely. And Brittany is no more. That it? Yeah. Wow. You heard that. I mean, hey, I mean, KD ratio of like two to one right now. So, <laughs> she did well, hair nice. Yeah. She did. How much they hated it. Yeah. No matter how much Sophia hated it, she did her hair. So, one dead, one question mark. Hopefully, you'll remember every time you look at soap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Wow. And that just leaves one in the room. So let's wind back again. Sophia. You can see it coming and you know what's about to happen, but instinctively you attempt to raise your shield to block the blast. But it's upon you too quickly and with far too great a force. You feel the arcane fire and lightning wash over you, consume you. Blessedly, pain is brief. The moment is over in an instant. For you, there is darkness but then light. Not the painful light of the explosion, but a welcoming light, a divine light. Soft and warm, a loving embrace. It envelops you and takes your soul away to the celestial planes. As you rise, you do feel a sense of wrongness. Something in the light isn't quite right. There's a feeling to it that feels almost familiar, something that, of all things, reminds you of Rogar whenever he would lay divine blessings upon you. It leaves a shard of doubt within your soul that you struggle to remove in this moment. But you shake off the feeling as best you can. If this is death, as you suspect, then you know full well what happens next. It's time for you to go meet your deity, Kalemvor. 
it's time for your reward and for your devotion and for upholding his tenants as best you could. Dying while in the attempted destruction of an army of undeath, there could be no greater way to serve your lord. As the light fades away, you feel your body return to a more corporeal form. You feel a hard floor beneath your feet. You can hear noise in the distance, too far to make anything out, but certainly a very real sound. Strangely, you feel like you're wearing armor. In fact, as you open your eyes, you see that you're resplendent in full armor adorned with symbols of your faith, and at your waist rests a sword very much like the one you used in life. And in your offhand, you have a shield emblazoned with a set of scales raised high by a skeletal hand, the symbol of Kalemvor in your faith. Confusion settles in. You're well aware that your destination in the afterlife should be the city of the dead, residing here amongst the faithful and those awaiting judgment. Yet no texts ever mentioned being dressed for a fight. In fact, the city has always been described as a place of rest, of celestial contentment. You look around your surroundings and you see that you appear to be in a cathedral of sorts. You see these large stained glass windows adorning every wall, each showing various angels or even Kalembo himself. You see a large pair of wooden doors that lead to the outside. What do you do, Sophia? What's going through your mind? There's no, wait a minute. There's, there's Tommy. There's no, there's no Tommy. So I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead, right? Where is... I go to, I don't know, pinch myself. The pain feels dulled, but it's there. You feel yourself. You feel remarkably physical. You weren't, know, you weren't certain what to expect. I go to make a noise with my shield and hammer and kind of get feel for the armor. Feels great, actually. It feels probably like the best armor you've ever worn. Like it was perfectly tailored for you. All the, all the little customized bits and pieces just fit like a glove go to the door and see if I can hear anything the noise does sound louder coming from the door but it's very muffled gonna try and see if the door's open or if it's locked or anything sure pushing them open as they swing open because they're not locked the noise you were hearing immediately grows into a terrible cacophony you see the buildings are burning Angelical beings are flying through the sky. Explosions and terrifying magics are being unleashed across the city. You know that the city of the dead dwarfs any mortal comprehension of size, yet even so, war seems to rage across it. You see monstrous flying creatures clash with the angelic beings above, and in the streets before you, you recognize both fire and earth elementals clad in that twisted black armor you've seen before, attacking other former mortals like yourself, people who were likely heroes and adventurers in ages past. As you instinctively raise your blade and look to join them, you hear the stained glass of the cathedral shatter above you as two figures come plummeting through it. As you turn your back, as you turn back into the building, you see one of them is clearly an angel of Kalemvor. The other creature hurts to look at. The winged monstrosity has these long, lashing tentacles coming from its face that are already wrapped around the angel's throat. Its body seems to contort and stretch to fend off 
both attacks and then respond in kind as it's clearly overpowering the angel. What do you do? Go to help, try and flank it, raising my sword and shield as best I can. Maybe trying to use the sword, the shield to, to block maybe what I can see so I can aim true. So acting almost on pure instinct at this point, you charge the creature and lash out of it, lash out at it. Roll me an attack roll, please. And you can use your standard bastard sword. This one seems identical. Almost like it's an image of your mind here. Ooh, 11. That's not great. 11? So you swing out at the creature. And unfortunately, you miss. I readjust. I'm just getting used to, to having... Feeling this good. To not feel... To having this armor. To feeling this radiant. To go for a second attack. Yeah, go for that second attack, but that's the thing. You don't feel like the little aches and pains you'd normally feel. You don't feel the strain of your muscles in the same way. It's very bizarre in this moment. Like, it's almost like you're too strong, too fast. You overshot with your swing. You don't have to compensate anymore for, you know, all the little aches and pains. 24. And there you go. Stepping into your stride a little better this time. The first blow just clattered into a, a pew that was on the side, like tearing a chunk through it, and you realize that, well, actually, I'm, I'm better than I was before. This is strange. But this time, as you swing back around, you slice through the slick webbing, webbing of its wings. It roars in response, and you feel your mind is immediately under this powerful psychic assault. As you stagger back, the angel stops resisting, its body going limp in the creature's claws. You see the wound you dealt the creature and wounds that the angel dealt it are already like rapidly healing. And having seen the fate of one of Kalimbo's divine servants, you're uncertain whether you can hold off this abhorrent entity alone. And I'm going to show you a little picture of this entity. Oh, oh good. That's not horrific at all. Yeah. This thing is bizarre and it's covered with these nasty looking tentacles. Some of them look almost like sea creature style, like an octopus. Other than others are almost like living insects writhing off it. It has multiple mouths and eyes. It's got this nasty looking set of um skin-like wings. It's got a sort of humanoid shape, but you see as it moves, its body twists and contorts in ways that don't make sense if it has any sort of bone structure. In fact, you see when it was attacking the angel, it could stretch its arms back further than you expect. And now as it's coming towards you, it sees its arms are like extending and starting to get ready to attack you, even at this little bit of distance you've got between you. But regardless... Where are you going to run to at this point? So you ready your weapons. Willing to fight to your last? Willing to defend the celestial plane from whatever horrors seek to tear it apart? And as it approaches, you hear more glass shatter. And suddenly the creature is missing an arm the one it had just raised to strike out at you. Behind the creature, kneeling next to a fallen angel, kneeling next to the fallen angel, you see a familiar yet slightly changed face as Ansir turns away from his fallen friend you notice he too now swords the wings as well as the angelic aura of one of Kalembor's holy servants just stunned completely stunned to see Ansir it takes me a good second to realize 
what he's doing and how resplendent he looks. And and the noise comes back to me and like shit, I'm I'm in the middle of battle. But I know with him by my side, with through all the fights that we've been through, that we can do this. So with that resolve in place, he seems to understand as well, and the pair of you charge this creature. You manage to beat it back. Its form eventually actually fades from the realm, having sustained too much damage to keep its grip on this reality. You just cut and tear into it until it just can't hold on, and you see it just fades away. As you sort of catch your breath, even though you're not really sure if you need to breathe anymore, you hear Anseer sort of fully recognize you and say, Sophia, is that, is that really you? I don't know. I'm, I'm here. I don't know where here is. You're here. So, so yes, everything's going to be okay, right? You're, you're here. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know if everything's going to be okay, Sophia. If you're here, that, that means, that means you've died. That's. But, that, but that's okay, right? That you're, you're here. So that's fine. I, I'm sorry, Sophia. This is not the welcome I would have liked to have given you. Something has happened here. Something unexpected. That that creature we fought should not be here. We should not be fighting. This is this is a place of rest. This is a place of finality. This is this is our Lord Columbo's home and throne. This is another plane of existence that is so far removed from the rest that we should not have to to fight here to feel fear or loss or anything. This has been turned upside down. And if you are if you're here, that means you you passed, and that means. That means you're not on the material plane anymore. So that, that means it's that, undefended. That that thing wasn't a test of of my of my faith. What did it were, Sophia? What did it were? No, we are under attack. We are under attack in ways that I never thought possible. I only recently was able to join Columbo's angelic forces, but even the others—they don't seem to understand what's going on. We fight. We fight all across the city. We have to make sure it holds. We have to protect the souls here. But I had I had hope that whatever you were doing on the mortal planes, that it would put a stop to this, to, to cut off what was happening. To be honest, there was there were so many things happening. The giants and actually the giants weren't a big deal. They were they were just things for us to, to take us away from the more important things. We ran out of allies, we've my father came along and said, we just, there was too much. There was too much. There was, I mean, Rogar turned into a fucking dragon. He's, he's, I don't know. He's doing kind of, he's doing evil, evil, horrendous work. And it's just Tommy and I, it's just Tommy and I and say, well, what are we supposed to do? But I'm here. No, I'm not supposed to be here, but we can do this, right? We can, we can make this better. I wish... I could say something that would give you heart, Sophia. I appreciate that what you're doing down there on the material plane, or what you have been doing, is extremely difficult and is frankly too much for one or even a few people to bear. But what's going on up here, the balance of things is broken. I don't know what's going on exactly, but I have sensed for a while now that something is wrong. Something is wrong with the gods themselves. Even, even Kalemvo seems to have been affected in some way that I can't quite understand. This invasion should not be possible with his protection. I, I don't know what 
has been done to him to take him out of this, to, to stop him fighting alongside us, to batter these creatures away. We, we fight now somewhat leaderless. One of, our, one of our strongest angels was sent to the material plane and he did not return. We believe he was trapped somehow by the illuminated, but we're uncertain why. Eyes on the material plane are being blinded one after another. We are more and more cut off here. We, we struggle, Sophia, and if, if their plans are allowed to continue on the material realm, if, if whatever they're doing allows this continued destabilization of all of the realms, then there's nothing we can do from here to help. If, if the gods themselves are affected, if they can be taken out of the picture, uh, we won't be able to help you. And staying here is just giving in to the inevitable. Could I return back myself? I would in an instant. Are you saying that's a possibility? Are you saying that I could go back? Do, do I need to go? Do I need to go back? Can I just? Can I just just stay here? He looks around and he can see the concern on your face, but he looks back out through the cathedral doors and he sees more explosions going off in the distance. He sees this sickening looking green fog start to shift in over a part of the city. He sees this swirling mass of flying creatures in the sky. Something is going horribly wrong. And he turns back to you and goes, Sophia, you, you must return. I don't know exactly what's happening here, but I do know that your role in the material realm is fundamental in putting an end to all of this. You are one of the few people capable of standing against the Illuminated, of raising Kalemvor's banner, carving out this rot that eats reality itself. You have survived more than anyone else could have possibly survived. You have gained victories where for others there would have been nothing but despair and hopelessness. Do not cast that aside so easily. You have done more than most. And though I know it unfair to ask more of you, especially now in a moment where you could choose, you could choose final rest and stay here. But if you want my advice, you must return. You are needed there far more than here. I will do what I can to keep this city from falling but you need to take out the cause. I'm just one person, but I... God, I wish Tommy was here. Oh, I'm going to need more, Ansia. I'm going to need an army. I... I understand, though. I understand why I can't rest yet. Uh, what? What's to do? What? What more must I face? You must stop the Illuminated from doing what they're doing. As I said, our eyes have been blinded across the realms, but I know that something that they have been working on for a long time is causing this, this madness to rip through the celestial planes. I can sense something divine behind it, but I know that its source, it's only possible because of their actions. As for returning, if you are willing to take up that burden once more, you are freshly deceased. I can see the faint glimmer of true life still around your soul. It's far too late for one such as I to return, but if we act quickly, there may be a way. I can even see something trying to pull you back. And he looks kind of past you, Sophia, and you sort of instinctively kind of turn to look behind you, and you see 
like a spectral hand grabbing onto your arm. You, you can't feel it. But looking at it, you'd say it looks like Brittany's hand. She pulled at something and she got out her fucking hand. Sounds about right. I don't know what that is exactly, but it's a tether. It's something. Something that we could follow back. Kalemvor, forgive me for what I must do, but I can see no other option to achieve this. No, no, does that mean that I'll be, I'll be undead? Is that what you're saying? Is that why you don't want to do this? No, no, you will not. I would not befoul your body in such a way, no. But there is another option. And Ansir walks over to the fallen angel. He kneels by his side and whispers a few words. And then he appears to reach into the being's chest. The body of the angel disappears, leaving behind nothing more than a small, bluish-gray gemstone about the size of a human heart. I cannot promise how well this will work. With what's left of Ethereal's, Ethereal's power, I believe we can restore enough of you to go back. I'll be honest, I'm not certain what form you'll take, what you'll remember. I expect part of Ethereal will come with you, and that experience might be quite unsettling for the both of you. Would you be willing to do this? I do not want to force you. It needs to be done. What more can we can we do, Ansir? He nods quite solemnly at that and says, If there is a city of the dead to return back to, I will welcome you here with open arms. There will be Better. parades in your honour. <laughs> I swear it. And there's not going to be any of this monstrosity thing attacking me, yeah? I severely hope not. Okay. Well, then you've got yourself a deal. Now go to take his forearm. He takes yours, and then with his other hand, he moves the gemstone over your heart. And he intones a few divine words as the gem sinks through your armor and then your skin. You feel an ice-cold sensation rush through your body and then everything just goes white. And that's where we're going to leave Sophia for the moment. I miss Ansia. It's always good to see him. Why is he always saving my ass? Because your ass needs saving. It does need saving all the time. Sometimes, sometimes Tommy ain't there to save it for you. Oi, oi, oi. Hey. I didn't need you this, this one time. Actually, you're the reason why I'm dead. So go for it. I, it's Bunker's plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Brittany helped you out with her last bit of life as well. It did. Was it yeah. like, was it mage hand with a middle finger? <laughs> no, I. I I like to think the only reason you recognized it was the perfectly manicured nails. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> they were immaculate. <laughs> <laughs> Even in death. Gotta look good. <laughs> That's three characters. That just leaves one more, I think. Ooh. Because there was someone else in that room. Well, there was someone else in something else in that room. Mm. Mr. Fate. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Dick, rather unexpectedly, the gem in which you reside begins to shake, as if you're suddenly experiencing an earthquake, and then a blinding white light fills the area outside the gem. Even in here, you can feel the intensity of it, the sheer power on display. As you wonder what exactly is happening out there, you feel a cold spike of pain in your chest. 
exactly where the black six-fingered hand representing the mark of Grazitz now resides. It's time, my little champion. The board has been set. Great game has begun. First, you're going to feel a great deal of pain. But soon after, oh, soon after, glory awaits. It's excellent. I am sure a little pain will mean nothing to Dick Fate. Oh, indeed. But savor it. Enjoy it. Remember every detail. I find focusing on pain allows you to send it back to your enemies tenfold. Read, as a man, I must suffer so that others may feel my suffering. See you on the outside. And then we fade away from Mr. Fate. So that was the thing that, that Grozitz was waiting for. Fucking nuclear explosion to get him out of the gym. <laughs> That's what it needed, today. Clearly. <laughs> Apparently, it was a very powerful magic that put me in the gem, so... <laughs> Fantasy Nuke brought you out again. Mm. You're welcome. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it, you arsehole. <laughs> hey, like you're complaining, clear, clearly of all of us, you've got, well, if the best or the second best fate. Let's be honest. Well, I didn't die, and I'm not you, a ball sport. You, so. you woke up in, in heaven in cool new armor. You met your homie. You kicked some ass. And then he was like, yo, you want to go back to Earth? And you were like, eh, okay. And then he put you back to Earth. And there's yeah. no, like, fighting, clawing your way back, damning I, at I, your I, existence. I killed that thing that came and attacked me. Yeah. Yeah, and it was cool, and it was easy. I'd also like to say you are welcome. I sacrificed a character to save your a character oh to save your ass. God, you did you did you did sacrifice a uh, a a temporary one shot character to save her ass. Yes, I did. Hey, <laughs> 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 oh I mean, it always always happens like this, particularly in one shots though. But it does always happen like this, where like. One of our characters ends up okay. One of our characters gets fucked over, and the other one dies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I suppose we could do more, but I do feel like that's a good place to end it this week. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, ge- I, I guess yeah. there's still a lot of unanswered questions, but I feel like that's that's an episode in itself. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck well, are we gonna do now? I mean, I mean, <laughs> Cookson says that, but he really just wants to end the episode early so he can go off and play some Baldur's Gate three. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I hope you all enjoyed that little different episode than what we normally do. A lot less dice rolling than usual, but uh, I mean, we made yeah, you have, least... have that, didn't you? Really, this is like, well, TPK, gotta do some more dialogue. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was yeah, it was it was different, but it was interesting. And I think I think it all weirdly worked out quite appropriately for uh, all of us, really. Yeah. I mean yeah. None of us had to roll new characters. Nope. Just need to add more stuff to our character sheets. Mm. Probably. We'll probably find out. Or at least change some stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I had fun with that. I thought it was interesting. I oh, definitely. It felt fitting for all of you. I think yeah, that was my uh, main thought around it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It Thank was, you for uh, not killing us off. Well, he, he kind of did, but like also not. I came back. <laughs> yeah, all right. Some of us had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's not count our Sophias before they are reborn, shall we? Yes. Okay. Yes. Having an angel heart shoved in you and then catapulted back from heaven ain't going to be the easiest uh, ride. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, right, see. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> ah, well, that was Gunpowder Treason, no plots. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you wish to support the show, go to patreon.com slash gtmp is what helps us keep this going. And if you want to chat to any of us, we're on Twitter, X, whatever stupid-ass name it's got, as Treason No, and my players are there with their player names and gtmp at the end of it. We also have a Facebook group and WordPress website, all Gunpowder Treason No Plot. And basically, you can find us anywhere that good podcasts are provided, all under that name. And I will hand over to my co-hosts to say their own goodbyes. Hello, my name is Dick Bate. Soon be out of this godforsaken gem. You may notice I've been doing a lot of push-ups and a lot of thinking, but with my unmatched perspicacity coupled with sheer indefatigability makes me a feared opponent in any endeavor, and I, Dick Fate, will come out better than you. It's Ask Dick. You gave him a dictionary. <laughs> you must have found, found one in the gym. Yeah. I was getting a real NWO Hulk Hogan feel there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I want Dick to come out with a black feather boa. <laughs> it, it, I tell you what, if Grazitz gives him one, he's going to wear it. <laughs> Naked, bar a feather boa. Lovely. Uh, feather boa. <laughs> Sexy. You know it. <laughs> right, come on, Matt. Roll some die. Uh, so one and a six. Sixteen? We had sixteen. Ooh, I done sixteen. Uh, adamantine armor. Mm-hmm. The suit of armor is reinforced with adamantine, one of the hardest substances in existence. While you're wearing it, any critical hits against you becomes a normal hit. Mm-hmm. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah. Can't see that. I mean, yeah. Not 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 being able to be crit- critted is pretty fucking good. Yeah. I'll um, I'll order two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say if only let's, barbarians could wear armor. Let's 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 uh, <laughs> let's let's get one of those uh, shipped to your uh, wherever your body's turning up. Where is my body going? <laughs> oh well, we'll see. Yeah, I'm sure it's all gonna be fine. Yeah, because shit doesn't happen on this podcast. I mean, I, I'm just looking forward to uh, to what it's gonna be like when uh, you and Tommy meet up again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> on an angel. Yay, I'm a barspawn. <laughs> Yay, I'm not going to kill you. You can fucking try. I was going to say, this doesn't bode well for, for, for you guys. I mean, I'm just like the champion of a, of a god. You guys are like completely opposites. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, do you know what? I was actually like wondering what was going to happen when I... Uh, and Dick came out as a champion of a god because I was like, well, Tommy's not going to f- 
be friends with him. It turns out, yeah, maybe we might get on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I didn't mention that Tommy now has a giant simpler ball tattooed to his face. <laughs> do, I, do, do I mean, do I actually? Because to be honest, I'm not sure if you're joking here. <laughs> You'll find out next week. Okay. Yeah, but okay. Uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Thank you to Sirenscape for some of the music and sound effects you heard during this podcast. They do amazing atmosphere and music, so be sure to check them out at www.sirenscape.com. Epic games need epic music.